tithing, giving financially, generosity, and money, such a sensitive area of life all across the globe? Are we commanded to give 10%? Is it sinning if we don't? Well, let's talk about it on an all new episode of C2 Wait. Well, first, let me welcome our guest on this episode where we're talking about tithing, money, generosity, all those things. It's Dave Worcester. He's a member at Cornerstone, been going here uh, for a long time, has been, and I believe you've been a youth pastor here. Yeah. And uh, served as an elder at Cornerstone, financial wizard, uh, has wonderful kids, wonderful wife. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I uh, was raised in a Christian home. I got to uh, be a witness to and accept the Lord when I was five. Grew up in a, a nice church that really was God-centered, uh, did very uh, much discipleship-oriented, and had a great time uh, being discipled all through the church. And then uh, decided uh, what I was going to do for a living, and uh Financial services was always something interesting to me. So I started out in downtown LA working in a brokerage firm and got the chance to work out in uh, Claremont for a couple of years before I decided, you know, just, I don't want any outside influences. I want to be able to do what I think is best for my clients mm. and not have to worry about what anybody else wants me to do. So I went on my own, came up here in 1987 with nothing <laughs> and uh, been working since then at building up a practice and having a clientele and been blessed to have looked back and see how God took care of us through that time, but starting from nothing to where we are today is pretty amazing. Awesome. So what is it uh, exactly that you do? So if, like, if I was going to be one of your clients, what mm-hmm. typically um, are you doing day to day for them? Well, my basic description is I help people. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> somebody's <laughs> calling now. I should have put the phone on silent. <laughs> oh. Must be a oh. first timer. Yeah. It's uh, the guy I had lunch with today, actually. <laughs> you forgot to pay. I, I forgot to put the phone. Sorry, Brian. That's no, all right. Yeah, so, so what I tell people is I'm here to help you with every financial decision you have to make. And, you know, I'm a certified financial planner. And, you know, there's six basic areas of your life that we look at financially. But for the most part, what I do now is, is I manage people's money. I help them. Um, I help them with the, making their money work towards achieving their goals. So everybody has to you know, invest for their future and how do you do that? Uh, and uh, you know, I give advice to also direct and make active management. So I'm entrusted with uh, the people's money. And yeah. every day I look at what uh, their goals are, what their markets are doing, and decide what we should do in those circumstances. Oh, it sounds very scary. To have everybody's money. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's times where you just don't want that responsibility. Yeah. That's for sure. Wow. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's liberating because then our, my clients don't have to think about that. Yeah. Now, I free them from the responsibility of having to think about what their money's doing. They know I worry enough for them. Mm-hmm. And they transfer that to me and go on with their life. <laughs> and you're only like 22, is it? <laughs> and, um, 29, yeah. but it's so nice of you to notice. Yeah, you look a little old for your age. <laughs> I've been doing this for 40 years. Yeah, awesome. How, how long have you been going to Cornerstone? We started in around 1989, 1990, somewhere in there. Okay. So it's about 32, wow. 33 years, 34 years. Yeah. So you've seen uh, the, the waves of Cornerstone. 
It's been a fascinating tr- uh, transition here too. We, this church has grown significantly. It's had an impact in this community. Yeah. Uh, it's a prayer of Jabez. Uh, you know, expand my borders. Yeah. And you know, as the town's grown, we've had a, a tremendous influence in this town. And yeah. Really excited I, about that. I think uh, I'm pleased with how you're impacting our community and what you do and how you reacted and received in the community. Oh, well, praise God. Well, so one of our questions we're going to tackle, I think is really sensitive because, um, so in my studies, I was kind of researching kind of, you know, different pastors and theologians comments or points of view on this. And, um, one of them said, I've probably, and in 40 years of ministry, he goes, I probably have only preached on tithing two times. Mm And I was thinking about, I wonder how many, I don't think I've ever, my theory is when I run across giving, we talk about giving, but I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not going to take a specialized service and just hammer it just for no reason, because it is scary. You know, everybody tries to guess your motives and intentions. And, you know, I think uh, a lot of people have experiences with televangelists, um, mm-hmm. local church pastors, books, radio shows, kind of having different doctrines and some people feeling manipulated in certain ways and we see it, you know, like, I don't know if you've on Facebook, you know, you, you will uh, say, you know, like, and share this post and the Lord will put $5,000 in your bank account. I'm like, I don't see that in the Bible. I don't Mm -hmm. see. So, um, with, I have a pastor, uh, person who I have a relationship with and we talk very rarely, but I remember, um, that this pastor believes that, uh, it is, a sin to not give 10%. Um, I believe he would, he would say that if you gave 9% at a church service, mm-hmm. that that was a sin that you need to repent from, that we need to give 10%. And this kind of flies in the face of maybe single parents barely making ends meet and only have minimal materials, you know? And so how does all that, how does all that work? How do we, how do we navigate this? Start us off, Dave. Well, <laughs> there's a full plate there. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, first of all, I understand for pastors that it's a hard thing to talk about because, you know, they're the ones that pay your salary. Yeah. And as you're talking, there's probably thinking, well, what money does he need now? Mm-hmm. You know, why is he bringing this subject up? Yeah. And uh, there's a know, donation link at the door. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, it, you, and you, you feel like it's it's evaluation of how you did. You know, did I do well today? Well, then you're going to get more money. Did I do poorly today? It's, it's mm. almost like when you do a, a, a roast and you get feedback, you know. <laughs> we did a roast as a fundraiser one time. And if the roast was really good, you throw out money. If it's not, you know, the joke wasn't yeah. that good, you don't put out as much money. But, uh-huh. you know, it's like you're on the spot, you know. And, and I, I don't think that's really fair. Who were you roasting? It's a was it a pastor? Story. It's a long story. <laughs> okay, all right. We, had took, we took turns, actually. But they were generally <laughs> youth pastors. It's a good fundraiser for youth. Oh, man. Let's talk about that off here. <laughs> okay. uh, but, yeah, you don't, you don't want to give people the wrong impression as far as what giving is. Because, you know, it's really not talked about that much in, in the Bible, in the New Testament. You know, it, it's pretty much, it was cultural by then. You know, they already knew what was expected. The word tithe literally means the 10th mm-hmm. so you don't ever really get anything more than just the 10th because that's what everybody was giving and that's what you're kind of expected to do but we're under the law of liberty we're not under the old testament law we don't have a temple tax we, we don't have an obligation to give it, it's it's really it's it's our particular opportunity to worship god in, in our giving 
And um, you know, there's only one time in the Bible where the word God loves is used. It's oh. God loves a cheerful giver. That obviously we know God loves other things, mm-hmm. but that's the only time I've seen in the Bible where that phrase God loves and a characteristic is added to it. Interesting. And I think it's meaningful that that's what is especially accentuated about what God loves. It's about our heart. He says, I love a cheerful giver. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go around and say, well, I'm giving my 10th. I did my job. Mm-hmm. You know, I know it was, uh, <laughs> it was an old joke, but one of my youth pastors used to say, I surrender 10%. <laughs> you know, instead of 90, 100%, yeah. I surrender 10%. Yeah. I did my part and I go my way. Yeah. No, yeah. It, giving is an act of the heart. And if we don't have the right heart, it doesn't matter how much we give. We're not pleasing God. Yeah. No, that's good. You know, as far as you were talking a moment about that, kind of almost uh, talking about the Old Testament kind of command and law versus that we're not in that. So let me speak to a moment on that. Um, in the Old Testament... Uh, so in the old covenant, uh, you were commanded. It was part of the laws setting yourself apart as God's people uh, to tithe or give that ten percent. Leviticus chapter twenty-seven verse thirty uh, says, "A tithe of everything from the land." So a tenth of everything from the land. Numbers eighteen, um, the tithe was given to Israel uh, or from Israel given to the Levites for their, you know, essentially kind of taking care of the ministry leaders mm-hmm. that were taking care of the temple. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, giving of the first fruits is mentioned. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 14 gives the law of tithing. I'll just read you this one. Um, Deuteronomy 14, verse 22, set aside a tithe, a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Then go to the one place where the Lord your God has chosen to be worshipped, and there in his presence eat the tithes of your grain, wine, and olive oil, and firstborn of your cattle and sheep. Do this so that you may learn to honor the Lord your God always. Even back in Genesis chapter 14, we see Abram tithing a tenth of everything. So you bring up a good point. We got this Old Testament tithing commandment um, that there's an obligation for the covenant people of the Old Testament to give. So how does that, if any, uh, affect the the Mosaic law or the arrangement for the Old Testament and the Old Covenant, how does that work for us today? What is the connection um, for us today with that? Because obviously we still, I don't think many people would argue that we don't still give, whether it's financially or otherwise. But if it's not a law given um, for the New Covenant church, but we still do it, what is the connection from Old Testament into the, or Old Covenant into mm-hmm. the New Covenant? Could you talk on that for a minute? Well, we always have to keep in mind that God doesn't change. Mm-hmm. And what was good in the Old Testament is good. Mm-hmm. It always is good because God didn't change. He meant it for good then. Mm-hmm. He means it for good now. But in that time, you know, you had a different economy. You had a different um, government structure. It was a theocracy. And the temple needed to be supported. The Levites needed to live. They depended on the people mm-hmm. as they served God. And they were freed up to do that. So, you know, 10% is a good guideline. It's been a good guideline since God told us to give, as you pointed out there. And as I said, it was just the tithe meant the 10th. Mm-hmm. So the 10th is, is a good number. You know, God said that from the beginning. That's what I'd like you to give. But um, if you look at where did they go wrong, you know, Malachi 
God didn't say you robbed me because you didn't give 10%. He said you robbed me because you didn't give your best. Mm. And, you know, I was thinking about it as we were mm, you know, yeah. preparing and thinking about the subject. What you thought about what is the challenge of first fruits? And you read that in there, first fruits. And you know, in an agrarian society, you, know, you don't reap all year long. You know, you don't have the store. You don't have fly, uh, the, the grain coming in all the time. Mm-hmm. You had a harvest season. And God wanted your giving to be an act of faith by giving the first fruit. You've waited all during the growing season. And the first thing you harvest, he wants you to give that. You don't know what's going to happen after that because the weather could come bad. You know, things can happen. But show that your faith in God by giving that first tenth, that first fruit. And I think that's, that's the real principle behind it, that when we give it, we give our best. And we give first. Mm-hmm. So when you're making a comment, it sounds like this comment I've heard before from other older, wiser people. They say... Older, wiser than me, I hope. <laughs> yeah, than, than us young yeah. ones, you know yeah. what I mean? Because uh-huh. uh, I am 29, you that said. That is true, yeah. <laughs> you just been handling I've been here 40 money. years, but I'm 29. <laughs> so um, I've, I've had uh, some other wiser people say uh, the first check we cut of the pay period whatever that is whether it's a mm-hmm. month or every two weeks or every week is the first uh, check we cut is always um our giving uh to, to the lord in the sense of like this mm-hmm. tithe or this this giving and uh and for them they almost they almost always say it with joy like they've learned so much mm-hmm. from just right off the top those first fruits the top the best you know and then they rely on the lord for the rest and then also what they find is that rather than well, what they have to do then is structure their life around um, their trust in the Lord in some sense. Because then it's not like what I think a lot of us kind of do is like, ooh, my tires are getting a little bald, you know. Let's just wait till the end of the mm-hmm. month to give and see right. if we make it. And I think that there's, even in these small things, there's these older, wiser people in my life. They're bringing up this point where that when you're cutting that check at the beginning, there is very, because every single one of us can spend every dime we get whether you're making right. millions of dollars a year or $15,000 a year. I can testify to that. <laughs> you not seen so, personally, but yeah. people. Yeah, you know, It doesn't matter how much you make. The challenge is always to not spend more than what you make. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, lifestyle inflation. I just learned yeah. that phrase recently. You probably live <laughs> in that world with these people. They make more money and they start spending more money. They yeah. make more, and they can never keep up. And imagine if, yeah. uh, you know, we have, um, I, I've had conversations with people that they're like, man, like I want to start giving, but how do I start giving? I use every penny I have and they're making, you know, uh, an a awful lot of money. And uh, I think that the answer is that when you, when, if you become a follower of Jesus later in life, mm-hmm. there's so much of your life to restructure because you did live differently. Following Jesus, there's going to be things that change. Um, not that you're, there's going to be 70 minutes or so a week that you spend at a church. Probably there's going to be, uh, your talents are going to be used maybe for different purposes. Uh, you're going to find value in certain conversations that you didn't care about before. Um, in, in addition to that, we're going to find that how we spend our money, it's going to have different priorities in our life. And Mm -hmm. that may involve us changing how we spend our money a little bit. But from, from your experience, here's a question. Probably people will be interested to hear from you. Given your line of work, what do you see as the biggest struggle with people living a like a, a generous 
life, as I believe the Bible talks to us about being a being givers, you know, whether that's time, talents or treasures. But like, what do you see as the biggest, biggest issue around that? Probably selfishness. Yeah, I think we're so focused on ourself that we don't have room to think about others and otherness. I think that's what's the radical mm -hmm. message of Christ is to love others, think of others, to be other focused, you know, all the one and others in scripture. Yeah. That's not cultural. That's not the way we normally think. That is true. Yeah. You, you put so much on the plate again, though. You know, it's like, how, how do I eat the carrots and the, and the beef at the same time? You know? <laughs> Welcome <laughs> but, to C28. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think about what's the comparable way of first fruits. And yeah. I think it's given at the beginning of the pay period, not at the end. I, I mean, there was a book, R.G. Letourneau, Chronicling His Life. And, and not everybody knows who he is, but he was a very successful businessman who was a 90-10 guy. Gave away ninety percent, lived on ten. Mm. But um, you know, he said that what he learned was when he gave at the beginning of the pay period instead of the end, God was so much more a, a blessing. I, I think you're more attuned to it. I think when you give that first dollar of that paycheck, you think, oh no, I got to make it to the rest of the month. Mm -hmm. And I think your antenna are up. I think your attention to what God is doing comes up. Mm. And, and I, I, you know, I think. The most essential quality and how we choose to live is to live selflessly. Because God was the ultimate example of selflessness. Mm -hmm. He gave it all. Yeah. Charles Spurgeon goes on when he's talking, he's, he's asked a question about tithing and he goes on and I, it was too long to put in here. So I'll try to summarize it. But he goes to talk about that there isn't a mandate for giving. There was and there's not now. Right. And that's clear. The law of grace. Yeah. The law of liberty. But he says, what's interesting is uh, that that he says, I don't see that and look at the covenant I'm in with the Lord and think I can do less now. He goes, because my standard now is not 10%, it's Jesus. <laughs> right. And Jesus was a giver. He poured himself out. And he so nothing back. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think that I'm sure even things that we've said already in the first, you know, 18 minutes and 23 seconds probably <laughs> has pricked at some people that makes them a little yeah. uncomfortable. But I think that um, there are verses like, uh, you know, where, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Right. And I think that, um, I think your, our bank accounts can be a reflection. We right. can look in there and we can see, and you probably, this is probably right up your alley. You can see what you value. Right. Every dollar you spend is a statement about what you value because you've chosen to spend it on that instead of anything else you could have done. So your statement of your priorities, your statement of your values is right there in your checkbook. Wow. And Tony used to always repeat it because I said it all the time. You want to get to know somebody and what their life's like, look at their checkbook. Wow. And Tony's the one of the one of the pastors that was here at Cornerstone yeah, Tony for Buden, many years. Yeah, yeah. Um, he stole that from me. No, Did he? he? No, and he would testify that that I, that was what I would always tell him, and okay. it stuck to him. Yeah, you know, sure. You know, everything you do is is a testimony to what you value. Yeah. So imagine. So you're saying, imagine right now. Say we have a listener named John, and John's listening right now. And I say, hey, John, just uh, I just got John's login information for his bank account. Now uh -huh. I know there's a crime there, but this is you know this is theoretical. And I say, hey, I'm going to pull it up. And I'm going to read everything that he spent his money on. You're saying that that would even feel to that person too intimate 
uh, private and close and, and actually maybe have a little bit of a panic that people would see what he's spending his money on because it does get so deep into our hearts and, and reveal our values so clearly. The mirror is a little too clear for us sometimes. Well, God doesn't need your password. <laughs> your bank account is not password protected. Yeah. You know, it is, it's all there for your guide yeah. to see. That's a better illustration you than know, I used. You don't, <laughs> you know, accountability and decision-making is, is hard for every decision you have to make. Yeah. You know what? And it really comes back to your heart. And, and I, I just wanted to share this. And I've talked about this before at our church. I, when we got back when we had Sunday school, you know, before we had two services or three services, we had one service and Sunday school hour. And I did it. A series on giving and I did mention how'd that go feedback <laughs> I got one time but you know I just mentioned that you know the idea of giving and and God asking us to give cheerfully and that word there literally is hilariously to give like we're laughing to give with a heart understanding how much God gave us and he says you get to give something back you get to give back to help me and my work and my ministry but i was taking the offering in and i said so when i come by i want you all to be smiling as i'm putting <laughs> the, the basket out there for yeah. you and you were this is before your time with a gal named lois gann i know lois you knew lois i knew lois really she was all upset because i didn't drink healthy drinks and so she would bring me healthy drinks well lois um bless her heart every she gave every sunday and she had this big smile and she'd go right into the basket and that was our thing that yeah. was our connection because yeah. she knew uh what we talked about in the class yeah. and and it was funny because when somebody else would substitute for me she would still do that smile and things yeah. yeah that lady was smiling and i don't know what i was doing man but, <laughs> yeah but it's where it starts yeah it doesn't matter what we put in if we're not doing it with the right attitude that is interesting i got the i got the text somewhere here um Oh, here it is. Um, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Mm -hmm. It says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, right. not reluctantly or under compulsion for or because God loves a cheerful giver. And so Amen. obviously what we're talking about here was talked about 2,000 years ago right. also. And what Paul writes to instruct this church is that each mm -hmm. one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. And that's how you started out talking about that text right. also. Yeah, well, the core of the class was 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And from that, I, you know, how do you then live? How do you make decisions? And, you know, we're not, uh, as believers in the New Testament age, you know, we're not ones that we have a list and we got to do this, we got to do that, we got to do this and mm -hmm. that, and now I've done my job. You know, it, it, the law of grace, the law of liberty is a lot harder than the Old Testament law. Because yeah. we each have to decide how we're going to please God. And God has laid in our own heart our own ability to please him. Yeah. And so you know, from that, I, th I see three principles for giving and how we decide. And, and the first one is, um, you know, the Philippians were giving to this offering. And Paul was telling the Corinthians, you know, they're doing it, guys. You know, <laughs> you better step up too, because they don't have as much money as you do. But they're giving, and but he said, we as we did not expect, they gave themselves first. Mm. They were the offering. Interesting. You are the offering. Your whole life, everything you do, is the offering. 
So I'm not giving 10%. I'm giving 100%. And some of it I put in a basket to give to the church. But every dollar I spend is a statement. It's also a gift to God. Mm. And so am I doing this for God? You know, the house I bought, am I, have I bought that house for God? The car, the food, where I eat, what, mm-hmm. you know, what I do, where I go. It's all a statement, but it's also a gift. So you're saying, you're bringing up a point of that even our tithe is just a smaller part of the bigger part of our whole life being our a sacrifice. Whole life is our whole the life gift. being first fruits to the Lord. Absolutely. We're the gift. So um, out of that principle, I have a, a, a quick little applicational point. It's just, you know, um, we have to decide who we are, what we're here for, what we're about. And if it's not a tool for the purposes that God has given us, then it's an idol. It's not a tool. It's not something that's helping me advance what God has gifted and called me to do. Mm-hmm. Then it's an idol and it's keeping me from it. It's a distraction. It's, it's less than my best. It's not giving to, to God. Mm. So everything, that's, if it's not a tool, it's an idol. Yeah. That's giving yourself. That's everything you give. And then later he goes on and, you know, he does mention how the Corinthians have more than the Philippians. And he says, God gives more to some to help those who have less. He didn't give it for us to have, well, uh, you, you shot, it's called lifestyle inflation. You know, he didn't give me more so that I could spend more. The principle there is there's seasonality to life. There's, there's periods of time where somebody may do better than others. And, and he says, in the future, maybe they have more and they give back. Mm-hmm. But God gives more to help those who have less. You just brought something to mind. So it's interesting. Maybe there could be a challenge like next time. Uh, so uh, Cornerstone. I love Cornerstone, super gracious, gracious church, loving people. When new people were coming uh, th- this last year, there's uh, there's a couple of people that said the same word. They said, you know, uh, I love Cornerstone because there's, there's just such genuine believers here. And so I think for all of us, whether, you know, uh, new to the new to walking with Jesus or, you know, somebody like yourself, 29 years old and walking with the Lord for 50 years, so 28 of them. <laughs> Then, uh, you know, Let's what see, about this? 58 years. Cornerstone gave an 8% cola to uh, the pastors. Super uh-huh. generous. What goes through my mind first? Is it, is it then how can I use this more for the kingdom? Or do I immediately neglect that thought altogether and immediately think like, oh, I wonder if I can squeeze those new tires in now. Or how can I cha- or change my life? Or maybe I could upgrade this. Or maybe I can upgrade that. And so... I think that a challenge that went through my mind as I'm sitting here listening and just kind of being challenged by what you're saying is when there is an influx of whatever resource it is, we're talking about money today, what is our first thought about where that goes? Because I think I could argue that many times it doesn't cross my mind about, mm-hmm. oh, are there people that, that, that need this or how can, um, are there missionaries that can use this or are there other tools that um, or, or things that I can do with it to advance the kingdom directly and then work slowly into, um, are there things that can be done, you know, at the Campbell house or something that could still uh, produce fruit for the kingdom, but would, that would be beneficial here also. I think my mind often jumps right to myself. How can right. I use this and benefit from it? Again, where's the idol worship in there? Yeah. Yeah. And where's selfishness and where does that derail us from mm-hmm. what God wants us to do? Yeah. But, um, you know, I, the, the, the practical application of that principle to me it, it, that I say is our lifestyle is not dependent on what we have for income. Our lifestyle is re, what we need to do to accomplish the purpose that God has given us. 
So, you know, our first filter is, well, what is God needing me to do for him? And sometimes you need tires. Mm -hmm. I mean, tires, cars need tires. That's true. And, and maintenance is not an issue or repair is not an issue, but you know, it's a tool. And as you're intentionally looking at your heart and what you're giving and what you're doing, uh, that tool is important. And there's always more needs than you can obviously ever meet. Mm-hmm. But the, then it comes back to where's my lifestyle? And just because I have more, do I increase my lifestyle? Do I spend more money on other things? You just need to focus on the purpose. And if God gives you more to do more, then this is the hard part, okay? This is the hard item to think about. But if God gives you more than you need to achieve your purpose, then you need to give the rest away. Mm, that's challenging. And that's I don't good. always challenge people to give it away today. Yeah. Um, we have a fund we call Save Tithe. You know, it's, it's discretionary giving, so we have extra. We kind of put it in that, and if a need comes up, we've prepared hmm. in advance for that need because we have a fund that we kind of build towards that for. Um, but That's now, cool, yeah. we're, we're not about uh, how can I enjoy my life more. It's about how can I do more with what God has given me. As the prayer of Jabez, you know, mm-hmm. expand my borders so I can do more. Mm-hmm. We get to do more for yeah. God. It's all a gift anyway. Yeah. And, and our culture teaches that like you deserve this. We're going to make it cheaper right. so you can afford it or we'll give you credit so that you can get it. We all know what we deserve. <laughs> Say it. You know? <laughs> Say it. <laughs> we're, all, we're all sinners condemned and to hell and that's what we deserve. Yeah. It's the grace of God that we're here. So anything short of that's a blessing. Absolutely. It's all a blessing. It's a new way to look at life for some people. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm not going down. I'm going up, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But, but you know my lifestyle again. It, I need to be, and that's the third. Per, that's the third principle. You, you read that verse in Second Corinthians nine. But being intentional and deliberate about what you give. Well, if you're going to be intentional and deliberate about what you give, then you need to be intentional and deliberate about what you spend too. Mm. Everything that you do. So everything you need to do, it needs to be intentional and deliberate. And um, you know we need to be purpose driven with everything that we do. That's the filter that I apply to. Not whether I have 8% more, but okay, what more do I need to do to accomplish the purpose that I'm here to do? Mm -hmm. So you're restructuring in a sense, for sure, how a lot of people in our world think, and probably for some of us who are followers of Jesus, even rethinking through things, but you're saying, looking at everything like this is temporary and I'm a foreigner here, my, my home is in heaven. And so you're looking at everything, whether it's our time, our possessions, our money as tools. These are tools to accomplish the will of God. And money is just one of those things. What's the biggest challenge that Paul gave us in the New Testament? I beseech you, brethren. I beseech, I beg of you, present yourself as a Mm -hmm. living sacrifice. Present yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the challenge. It's so hard to delineate what's mine and what's God's. Well, if you're making that distinction, if you're drawing that line, you've misunderstood the whole point because mm. it's all God's. What about the person that says every, every time I get paid, um, I offer it all to the Lord. I throw my dollar bills up in the sky and whatever he takes, he keeps whatever comes back to me. <laughs> yeah. I use yeah, gravity. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right, though. I see what you're saying. Yeah. And it all comes down. And then I it, it, that's what the challenge. That's It's a lot harder. You know, you know, when I have a list and I do 10% and I've done my job, uh, that doesn't absolve you of your responsibility mm-hmm. in, as a believer in our law of liberty 
Yeah, it's like one of those Matthew chapter five, six, seven things where, it's, where it says, uh, like you've heard it said, and you know not to do this, but I uh-huh. say, and then it explains more of like the the heart and the wholeness of what was being communicated. Right. And so, in a sense, with the tithing, it's like you, you've heard it said, you know, this ten percent, and you know, what yep. would Jesus say now? But I say, what is he saying? What is he communicating? As we look at, you know, the, this, this new covenant, and I think you're hitting the nail on the head yeah. with a lot of it. And don't confuse your actions with the gift. What do you mean? Explain it, that. Like I'm because five. just because I do it doesn't mean it's good. Oh, because that goes back down to it's why I do it. Second Corinthians nine. It comes back to why. That's one of my it's questions. Never the what, it's the why. So why do we give? Like I'm a fifth mm-hmm. grader, I'm listening, it's early, or you know, mm-hmm. I have a bunch of kids at home, they gave me a break and I'm listening. Uh, why do we give now if it's not a command? And then I'm going to read some verses here, but go ahead. Because God gave you everything. He held nothing back. He gave you his son. He gave you eternal life. He gave you salvation. He g- Where we're going, the streets are paved with gold. Gold's going to be asphalt. <laughs> You know, he's got the cattle on a thousand hills. He said, you just get to show God that you love him and you get to give to him because he gave everything to us. Yeah, that's good. Let me read a couple verses here uh, to see what, you know, Paul, essentially what Paul is saying through this stuff. Romans chapter seven, four through six. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to one another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in a new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Galatians chapter 2, verse 19 says, For through the law I have died to the law, so that I might live in God. Ephesians chapter 2, 14 through 16 says, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Romans chapter 6, verse 15. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under the grace? By no means. So what we're seeing here is this, okay, the struggle of, well, we're not bound bound by the law. We, we don't have this code. Instead, we have Christ, and we're living in Christ and by the Spirit, and there's this new code, but like, like uh, Pastor Dave said here uh, in the beginning um, that what was good then is still good now. And so we take a lot of those things right. here that were principles. Uh, they were uh, prescriptions, not descriptions. We'll carry those over. Mm-hmm. And then this law of Christ, um, living in Christ, living by the Spirit. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Um, there's a section where it says the greatest command is loving God with everything that you are and loving the people around you and that all the laws of the prophets and uh, hang off of or are built upon uh, loving in that way. In Romans chapter 13, verse 8 says, Oh, no one anything except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. So I think that what's interesting, and it's, it's, it's in a sense 
delineating or juxtaposing itself mm-hmm. against, but also showing the thread that continues. Where although we're not mm-hmm. bound by this Mosaic law or old covenant law that then sets us apart as God's people, what sets us apart as God's people is living in the spirit in the new covenant of grace in Christ. Help, help, uh, Help talk through that. So for as I rambled on, break that down a little bit. I don't think we're talking to fifth grader anymore. <laughs> yeah. Let's go seventh. Seventh grader. Seventh grader. And once again, it's like you get this whole plate, you know, and I'm going to decide which fight am I going to eat first. Yeah. You know, but, um, you know, the law is good. Grace is better. Mm. And our challenge is a different challenge. God has always been interested in our heart. But we are now individually called to serve God in our own unique and special way. We're all shaped differently. We all have different spiritual gifts. We all have different hearts, desires. We all have different abilities and talents, personalities, life experiences, and resources. We're all unique. And with those prescriptions in mind, we then deliberately get to set out to say, God, how do I serve you? How do I give myself totally to you? And it'll look different. And and that's the beauty of grace. It'll look different. And I can tell you how I do it. The choices I've made, the decisions I've had to make. But that doesn't mean that's the way you do it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I can't fathom living under the Old Testament law, you know, because it was a burden. And what does Jesus say? My burden is Light, my yoke is easy. Mm-hmm. It's it's just me and you now, God, an act of worship. And I get to set myself to you. I get to look to you. I, I don't have to have this list to follow anymore. I have your spirit, communion with my spirit, telling me how to live, telling, give me wisdom on every decision I have to make. Yeah. It's a challenge. It's a joy. A nice thing. You know, if forgetting what lies behind, I press on to what lies ahead. Mm-hmm. So every day is a new day. Grace is cleaning me up every day. And every day, I'm no longer a prisoner to my past. I'm always given the opportunity to please God today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two practical questions. Okay. First one, uh, that maybe people came in, and I think that a lot of people already know this answer based on what we already said, but just... Uh, when you show up to a church on Sunday mornings, do you have to give 10%? Absolutely not. Okay. All right. So then you give this, like we said, as you purpose in your heart Mm -hmm. and you give it the right attitude. And as you evaluated and thought, you know, we're not supposed to be impulsive people, but if you look at that, what that being purposeful and Mm intentional is. So don't give because you're um, compelled for any other reason then I've already in an act of worship decided before I came what I was going to give. And if it was zero, that's great. You know, the church basket doesn't go around to make it uh, so that everybody's, you know, sometimes, you know, I think, (laughs) I think collecting the offering is fun. Yeah. Okay. You like doing that? I think the idea, because again, it's it's another part of worship. You know, everything Mm -hmm. we do in the service is a part of worship. And, you know, I just, 
for some of the times, you know, I'll give people a look. Mm -hmm. I was jabbing with the little basket thing. Like, Come on, you said you're higher. You're not giving anything today. Said, yeah, but it, it, yeah, we should have fun with that. So you're saying that, like, just as Nate Traxler, our kind of worship leader, um, as I've never taken the basket up to him. Sure. Should I go you up should. there? <laughs> Joust them. Come on. <laughs> well, he's playing that first song, yeah. you know. So when just as he enjoys playing the music and part of that joy is leading people in worship, you're saying even as the person that walks around uh, and and takes the offering and moves the baskets around, there's some joy in that watching people worship. Absolutely. Interesting. Yeah. That's beautiful. I've never thought of that before. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. Another thing, um, because one of the things we're pointing at is that some people are like, do I have to give to be a Christian? Like, and, and for somebody like me, that's kind of black and white. Like, I want to know what I'm supposed to do and then I'll do it. But I just, I want to know clearly what I'm supposed to do. And when people are like, oh, hey, you know, we're going to build uh, this shed. I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, and, the, and I'm like, how big? And they're like, oh, let's just see how big the wood is first. I'm like, whoa. Like, I can't, like, that's really difficult for me to operate within. I want somebody to say, this is how big we want it. And then we go buy the stuff to make that happen. Um, you're say, saying that as some of us, maybe like myself have that, do I, how much should I be giving that some people even may have probably made giving 10% an idol, right? Because, because of the lack of the principle of second exactly. Corinthians nine, where we, we don't give it reluctantly. We don't give it under compulsion, but we give it cheerfully. And that the whole thing is an understanding of giving to the Lord and trusting in the Lord and so if we take it outside of that and all we do is to build a boast in ourselves and feel morally superior to the person sitting next to us, then right. in a sense, by fulfilling that 10% that we can actually have made something an idol that we're doing right. and thereby sinning and doing the 10%. And so there's right. a more fundamental purpose happening that matters about what do you do yeah. with giving? And so did you tell your pastor friend, well, I believe there's people that give 10% who are sinning. I did not. No, I don't know him that well. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah. It's, Wait, that's right. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the Old Testament, New Testament, you know, in the print, uh, in the temple, they, they had this big brass plate that you would put your money in and you put coins in. Yeah. And you could tell what people were given by the sound oh, it was yeah. hitting and how many coins were hitting. Mm -hmm. And what did Jesus say? That's all the reward that guy's getting. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was doing it for show. Yeah. You know, it. it it's not about the what, it's the why. It's almost like we could compare it to the Pharisees praying loudly on the street corners for their own right. praise. And that praying on a street corner loud could be a very holy, God-pleasing, right. worshipful thing. But because of his heart, Jesus came out and essentially cursed him for it. And so similarly, right. we can make right. giving that 10% that same thing. And so the principle we're drilling down to, it appears, is that how much to give goes back to, I think, Paul, what Paul teaches in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each of you must give mm -hmm. as he has decided in his heart. And John Piper says, everything is greater in the new covenant. Why would we do less of anything, including giving? And so I think that it's not one of the things where like, oh, we're out from underneath the burden of giving now or tithing. Mm -hmm. And so now I don't have to do any of that. But what happens is you see these, these Christians uh, that are living in the spirit and in in a in the covenant of grace and they're giving more and they're more generous right. with their with their time and their talents and their treasures all together and it's because that now instead of a law being an example which was a good law that jesus came and fulfilled but that we're guided by an example of christ as we live in grace 
Christ gave it all. Yeah. Yeah, our 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 choice shouldn't be we to give ten percent. You know, you're talking about how do I decide how much to give? Well, my choice should be where do I give? Because God has given to each of us a, a special blessing. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're a masterpiece. We were set uh, aside individually as people who were given works to do. And so sometimes I need to give to the church, but sometimes I need to give to the work that God's given me. Mm. And, and so, you know, it's not, do I give 10% here and I give, you know, what I do with the rhythm. It's everything, where am I giving it? How does it advance the purpose that God has given me? The works that he has gifted and called me to do, mm. how does it advance that? How am I able to do that? And, you know, everybody's pocketbook should look different. Mm. But everybody should have the same explanation because this mm, was how yeah. I gave to God. Yeah. So big picture, we're looking at Jesus came and gave it all. And so now we give it all uh-huh. to his purposes. And that, I only that, surrender 10% now. Sorry. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> no. That we just become in everything we are generous people. Absolutely. That are giving and sacrificing. It's a lifestyle. It's who I am in Christ. It's who I get to be. It's who God's designed us to be. Yeah. There's nothing here that's going to last. Uh, one of my f- favorite verses on what you prioritize on is uh, in 2 Corinthians 4. It said, while, uh, while we under, our body is undergoing decay and we're enduring this momentary light affliction, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a small thing compared to what we're getting in grace because we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. And if I'm living each day looking for the things that are seen, then I'm missing what God's doing. I need to be, because the only thing that'll last is what is unseen. Mm-hmm. The good works and the and the good harvest that we had in our life. I, what's not seen. So if my focus is on what's not seen, the, the ministry behind that, the opportunity to serve, the opportunity to, to give, you know, everything then becomes the, that priority in that case. I'm not living for experiences. I'm learning for well done, that good and faithful servant. Amen to that. Well, with that, I think it's that you can't end any better than that. Not that I doubted you, Dave, but this was way better than I thought it was going to be super challenged. So thank you for joining us and maybe we'll see you around again. Mm, Just to hear that music. (laughs) All right. See you guys later.